Hey, on Saturday, February 3rd, I'm doing a live panel here in L.A. at Largo at the Coronet with the writers from The Good Place, including creator Mike Shore and a whole bunch of the great writers, maybe all of them, who knows. It'll be a few days after the second season finale. Again, that's February 3rd. Uh, and it benefits Write Girl, a creative writing and mentoring organization that promotes creativity, critical thinking, and leadership skills to empower teen girls. You can get tickets and more information at largo-la.com. Please join us. Now entering Nerdist.com. So, this concludes another year of the Writers Panel. It was a good one, I think. The good outweighed the bad, anyway. Uh, I got to talk to Warren Littlefield. That was awesome. Um, Some other highlights for me were getting Jonathan Brackley and Sam Vincent, the creators of Humans, on the show. Barbara Hall was pretty terrific. Stacey Sher was a wonderful conversation with lots of amazing stories. Uh, Glenn Gordon Karen told all of the moonlighting stories you could want. The episode with Jen Caton Robinson, Amanda Lasher, and David Casp was a memorable and fun one. Uh, but a lot of them were. I'm happy with how the show was this year. I loved finally having some friends on, like James Rowland, uh, who did Blood Drive, and Samantha McIntyre, and Kat Lickle and John Hoberg were finally on the show, uh, even though we didn't save Downward Dog. That's on us. Uh, and I got to meet new, funny, wonderful people like Wendy and Lizzie Molyneux, and Danielle Sanchez-Witzel, and Stephen Chbosky, and Liz Hanna, just on today's episode. And lots of others. So that was good. Uh, I think I tanked a couple of interviews this year. So sorry. Sorry, guys. Sorry, listeners. And sorry for the people who those interviews were with. I was excited to talk with the creators of Search Party and Smilth and with Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage. And I just couldn't get out of my own way. So... I wanted to ask everything, so I think I kind of wound up asking nothing, and I feel bad about it. But not least, because you, the listener, deserve a better episode. So I'm hoping to rectify that next year. There are a few in the bank that I'm really excited for you to hear. Um, We did one with the head writers of General Hospital, which is really cool. Uh, Something sort of unusual. I did a um, season three wrap-up with all of the Better Call Saul writers, which was awesome. I always love talking to those guys. Um, I've loved doing these roundtables that are just a grab bag of writers with different levels of experience and different types of scripted storytelling, like the one today, uh, I think was really cool and is more the kind of thing I I look forward to doing. So expect those, uh, more of those next year. The biggest thing is that I want to hear from you. What questions am I not asking? Or where do you want me to dig deeper on questions I am asking? Is it about story? Is it about the business? I always feel like a lot of that stuff is sort of asked out, like the how do I break in question or the how do I get an agent question. And, you know, I think I asked that a lot in those first 200 episodes. Um, But if that's what you want to hear, I'll I'll keep doing it. You know, we know that no two stories are the same of breaking in or the magic script or any of these things that we've talked about. Um, So maybe, you know, further stories like that are worth hearing. So email me. Let me know what questions you have about writing TV, about writing movies, about writing in general, and about the business of TV and movies. Email me, nerdistwriters at gmail.com. I'm going to take the stuff you send in seriously, because you, the listener, are the lifeblood of this podcast. 
When I started, no one was talking to showrunners and creators about making TV. And I was asking the questions that I wanted to ask as a person who loves TV and wanted to write it. Um, I'm lucky that lots of you had the same questions or just wanted to peek behind the curtain of the TV shows that we love. So thanks for leaving nice reviews on iTunes. And if you haven't, please do that. But seriously, for those of you who have, I really enjoy reading those. It helps sustain both the podcast and me. And thanks, too, for following me on Twitter, which I check obsessively. You can do it if you don't already, at Ben Blacker. Um, I have a Tumblr, which I'm going to use more frequently next year, including posting scripts and Q&As with TV writers. Uh, It's writerspanel.tumblr.com. Please give that a follow, too. And always hit me with questions or comments there. Um, But again, email nerdistwriters at gmail.com and let me know what questions you have about the business and process of writing. Your questions are the fuel for the writers panel in 2018 and beyond. Thanks, as ever, for listening. It really does mean a lot. Uh, I need to thank Nerdist for another great year. I need to thank uh, Nerdist engineer Aristotle Acevedo. Aristotle, thank you. You uh, are tireless, and you are always so nice to see in the uh, studio and so accommodating when I want to do three or four episodes on a a Saturday morning. So thanks. Um, And of course, thanks to you guys, the listeners. Oh, and the best shows this year were Better Call Saul, The Good Place, Smilf, Search Party, Better Things, Legion, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Insecure, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Ill Behavior, Handmaid's Tale, and Mindhunter. Sorry, those are the correct answers. Happy Holidays. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! I'm going to have you introduce yourselves. <laughs> starting here with Susie, uh, just introduce yourself on the microphone. Tell us, uh, tell the listener somewhere they may have seen your name on screen. Hi, I am Cece Pleasance, and I, uh, you may have seen me on Bill Nye Saves the World, um, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, the new Arsenio Hall show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a comedy variety writer, so uh, yeah. like lots of, lots of shows that you may have seen or may never have seen. But uh, you were on a bunch that sort of like I saw you were on Mencia early I was, on. Yes, like <laughs> that was that, that place went through yeah. a lot of comedy variety writers. Yeah, like, I remember my partner and I applied for that show. Yeah, it was like that Lots was the thing. Great folks were on that yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. My Mencia. I also worked on the Jeff Dunham show for yes. Comedy Nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, right. uh, I worked on the show Wipeout for a long time. Uh, is that the one with the balls? Yeah, with the balls. That's yeah. Sorry, that I was called Classic MXC and the show called No You Shut Up with Paula Tompkins and Puppets, which was maybe one of my favorite shows. Great show. No one ever saw. <laughs> on but, uh, yeah. Fusion? Fusion, yeah. Uh-huh. Which doesn't yeah. exist anymore? I don't think so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe it does, but. Uh, I'm John Scheiben, uh, writer, producer. Uh, started out my career on The X Files, did that for seven years. And uh, I've worked on Enterprise, I worked on Supernatural, uh, uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, people may have heard of um, and uh, no big deal uh, just drop just, all these names <laughs> Hell on Wheels and now yeah. I'm uh, running uh, uh, Shut Eye for Hulu and we're about second to season. drop second season 
uh, uh, December 6th, next oh, week. Oh, nice. Yeah. Congrats. Um, good. We'll get into all of that. I have a lot of questions. All right. <laughs> I've been refining my X-Files questions over the years <laughs> as I meet more and more of you guys. <laughs> like, I really want to find out oh what God. made that show tick. Because um, it seems like everybody came out with sort of, like, it was boot camp for so many people. Like, everyone Absolutely. came out with understanding how to run a show. So I want to get into that. Sure. Uh, but Liz. Uh, my name is Liz Hanna. I co-wrote The Post, um, which is coming out at the end of December. Um, it's my first feature that's been produced, so my that's it. That's what you got. So <laughs> I hope so everybody's exciting. heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> and this is this is a big movie, and yeah. like you wrote this on spec originally, yes, is that right? I did. So we will talk about that and sort of how it got into the right hands. But congratulations! Thank it's you so, exciting. so much. Thank you. Um, I do want to start by talking to you guys about some of these early experiences. And uh, you know, I mentioned X Files, and we can start there. But I want to talk to all of you guys um, about like what you took from that. Uh, what did you take from those seven years on X Files about how to run a show, uh, or or how to tell a story? You know, that's two different things, right? There's the business side of it, and there's the actual storytelling side of writing, right? And they're they're, they're so tied together yeah. in this business that you really need to to learn about both. Um, no, that was really uh, film school for me, even though I had gone to film school. <laughs> Um, uh, because Chris had an attitude, Chris Carter had an attitude from the beginning that if you're interested in it, in a part of this process, great, learn, and then you can help. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I spent a lot of time uh, early on in, in post because I was interested, very interested in editing and directing. And, oh, interesting. And I learned so much about writing in the editing room because you start to see, well, I didn't need that two pages of dialogue. Or I, or you know, or, or I'm missing this thing that would have been great to get, but if I'd put it in the script, they would have got it, and they didn't get it. And hmm. so it, it was, but it, so part of it was the environment. I was very, it was very stressful. It, it was a lot of pressure on the show, and especially when it became a big hit, it was, it was, uh, you know, lots of long hours. But uh, that's where I learned how to basically run a room and break story, and that's kind of the heart of. Yeah. So what All was this, what was know. Chris and I've talked to Chris, I've talked to Vince and uh, Spotnitz has been on. Like we, we yeah. had a number of you guys and I still haven't been able to been able to quite bear down on the process in the room. How did Chris run a room? Well, uh, to be honest, when I came on, Chris was less running the room mm-hmm. because he was so busy uh, doing he would, you know, everything else. Yeah, and it seemed like that happened fairly early on. Uh, that was to, season three. Even yeah, so we we uh, so basically the room uh, early on in my experience <clears throat> was Howard Gordon was mm-hmm. on the show, and he was he would run the room, or sometimes he would be off, and uh, Frank Spotness and I would run the room basically, um, depending on you know who was there, and and it was it. The thing that was great about the process was it was hugely collaborative mm-hmm. and very specific. And the reasoning behind that was if we break everything together, um, then A, anyone in the room can write this episode or mm-hmm. a scene in this episode because we talked through them. We went through, you know, where's the turn in the scene? Mm-hmm. How does this fit into the arc? We need something. We need a boo here. We need something scary. Let's. And every and any there's you know I try to keep and and I've tried to keep since there was very little politics in there. I mean I remember my first day, uh, 
and I didn't know anything about the business. I mean, I knew absolutely zero about it. And it was like, oh, this is just like film school. You know, this is fun. Chris, had, I was in Chris's office breaking the season opening of season three with him, watching him and Howard, and, I, and it's like, oh, this is great. I like this job. This, this TV thing's fun, yeah. you know. And and I can and I had ideas, and I said, well, what about this? And it's like, oh, that's good, or that doesn't work. Hmm. It was it was never there was never this. We just sit and listen, and 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 the gods will give us story, and then we go off and try to write it. Um, it was, uh, and I found it, as I've been running shows, I get better if I collaborate. I mean, it, it's a collaborative medium. There's yeah. no way to do it, mm-hmm. and and even down to the script level, there's really no way to do it. And and it's not, and to me, that's not a bad thing. It's like it's not like I'm a I'm a painter, but I need somebody else to help me paint. No. The idea behind it is that it is a collaborative thing. Mm-hmm. The script is worth nothing. Mm-hmm. I can't give it to an audience and say, have an emotional experience. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, I need 250 really talented people to come yeah. of all departments yeah. to make that script into what it's supposed to be. Um, and again, I try to instill that in the in the writers that come in through my room, which is, and, and it's something that Chris said, that I picked up from Chris very early on, which is, you're not responsible for one script a year. You're responsible for 22 episodes. Mm-hmm. And if you have an idea for somebody else's episode, speak up. Because if you can make it better, it makes the show better. It makes all of us. It makes the show better. I mean, that's the yeah. point is we're telling this. It's not that oh, I wrote a great script. Well, what do I do with that? Yeah. You know, I show it to my grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, but having a showrunner who is open to that, who understands that, these ideas come from everywhere. Yes, uh, is I think it's more common now. But it, you know, it, can it be is more common now. It wasn't that way when I started. Yeah. And, so, and I didn't realize that because that was my first job, yeah. and it was like you know. Uh, and of course, I encountered that later in other jobs, and it's like, right. wait a minute, what are you doing in that room over there with my script and, <laughs> and my episode? Uh-huh. You know, I don't know. I hope it's good when it's done. Yeah. Um, but we were so. I learned to be, and then uh, when I was running rooms, we we would be very meticulous in uh, uh, in building a story. Mm-hmm. So we always built it from the ground up in a very. Um, and if we weren't sure about something, we wouldn't go forward until we were sure about it. Because it's, you know, the, the, the obvious metaphor, you're building a house on a shaky foundation. It's like, you're going to find out in Act 3 that this thing that falls apart, yeah, right. you know, because Absolutely. you, you, you kind of said, ah, writer's problem. It's like, <laughs> I, I hate it. I hate that. I don't like that idea. And a lot of, you know, showrunners in the past have done that. Um, and still, where it's, it's, well, let the writer figure out what happens in this scene. Well, it's right. like... No, let's because there's so much creativity to be had in telling that story on the page. That why send off someone hmm. in the dark saying, "I don't know what the scene is about. I don't know how it fits into your character arc. I don't know any of these things." But go ahead and write a great scene. It's like how am I, as opposed to this is where it fits in. This is this is what's supposed to happen to to this character emotionally here. That you. It, 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 there's there's no shame in in that collaboration is kind of the thing that I picked up from X Files okay. and I've taken through my career when I try to run things because that's, that's, that's the idea behind it. It's yeah. like, uh, same with being rewritten, which uh, you know that's one of the things that happens to all staff writers. Yeah, and I just think there's no shame in it. It's like it's part of the process, and I have an I you know I pitch an idea. 
in the room, and I ask a writer to execute it, and I give them notes on that, and you have to give you know you have to give them that shot, and you should, and maybe they get it, and great, I don't have to do anything as a showrunner, right. but if it's not there. Nobody tries to write poorly. Everybody tries <laughs> right. to write well. <laughs> you know? It's like I am trying, and I understand that because I was in that position. Sure. It's like I, I, this is my best. Here. Well, and it's not even a question of good or bad, right? It's right. what is the voice of that show? What's the voice and of the show? Nobody knows that, like the showrunner or the creator, whoever has you know who is curating that voice. Absolutely. Um, before we get too far, yeah. uh, I want to go back and talk about these early experiences with UCC about. Um, some of the first jobs you had and like sort of finding your way in this comedy variety <laughs> world because that, that can be really hard you're doing world. a lot of episodes yeah. you're writing a lot of jokes yeah <laughs> um, your background was in like sketch and writing yeah, and performing sketch and stand up okay. I did stand up for uh, a few years in New York um, when I first started when I was very young uh, which I still am obviously but right. um, you, but you were like yeah. 13 at the <laughs> yeah, time I was, yeah I was nine <laughs> years old when I started doing stand up in New York um, <laughs> yeah I uh, I was doing a sketch show that I wrote with um, a friend who uh, we still write together sometimes uh, my friend who a very talented comedian, Katie Massa Kennedy, um, and we were asked to write a packet. Mm-hmm. Packets are very controversial. Is currently. that true? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we can get into it. It's um well because and the Writers Guild has a point that it's it's uh. solicited writing that is unpaid, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but it's tough in comedy variety to get a sense of how someone writes without seeing something that's written specifically for that show. Yeah, and we should say most of these packets are a few pages, and you're sort of submitting a bunch of jokes, yeah. you're submitting a sketch, you're submitting if it's a show with a desk right. piece, you do that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, some of them get a little crazy, like sometimes they're asking you to write uh, a whole episode or multiple episodes of a show. Or, you are know, you I kidding mean, me? Yeah, some of them, like, the, I think the controversy really started when, when packets started going around where they asked you to write, like, two pages of jokes and a fully scripted sketch and then a fully scripted bit uh, that's like from the show or you know whatever and then like yeah it's a a lot of work that you know like maybe 10 to 12 pages of of writing that's you know yeah just completely on spec with no money involved which they they then own (laughs) yeah exactly can use if they want yeah exactly (laughs) um but anyway yeah so we were asked to write (laughs) for a pack we were asked to write a packet uh as a writing team for um a show on the Oxygen Network, and I, like at this point, I, I was just a dumb uh, kid from Virginia, <laughs> Mechanicsville, Virginia. I didn't even really know that TV writing was an option to mm-hmm. me. I was just like doing. I went to school for musical theater, and then I realized that I didn't really want to do musical theater. <laughs> was it the breaking out into song and like parties? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like people gathered around a piano yep, and yep. just oh, like, dear. oh, this is all of my friends are in musical I theater. And it's yeah, just like it's rough. There was a there, at a wedding I went to. Rent just broke out, and I was oh, like, wow. I am not in this world. This is not. Yeah. Godspeed. Nothing. It's a tough place to live, yeah. and I realized I didn't want to live my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, good lord. Oh, good lord. Yeah. So uh, so we wrote a packet and uh, for a show for young women 
on the Oxygen Network. It was like when Oxygen was just starting out and they were doing all original content. Yeah. Um, and we didn't get the job. A guy got the job. <laughs> Great. But then. Wow. <laughs> oh, how the times have this, changed. This yeah. seems right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then uh, a couple months later, the lady who uh, apparently liked our packet and, and uh, slots, a slot mm-hmm. opened up and we got it. So, oh. And then I was like, oh, this is neat. I like TV writing and it doesn't involve me having to be on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at that point, it was that was sort of my only option for uh, how to get my my hilarious words out into the world. Yeah, it makes sense. So yeah, I mean, um, if you, so, I think a lot of people enter the business that way. Thinking, yeah, like, I want to. I see the thing happening, and I like that, and I want to be a part of that. Right. So I'll put myself in a part of that. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> like that's a great way to do it. I mean, if like whether it's stand up or whether it's uh, making something mm-hmm. that you put on the YouTubes, mm-hmm. which you guys may have heard of. Well, you're very young. You is, that that yeah. is that dot com? <laughs> YouTubes.com. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, doing your own thing, and then uh, yeah. and then that leads to something else. And then I came to LA uh, with a, another sketch show that I was writing, and um, and then like just sort of transitioned into TV from there. Uh, basically from sketch like just from you know like getting to know people in the sketch world and and um having opportunities present themselves yeah. to me and writing packets well and you're you're yeah you're doing the work and you're yeah. sort of part of a community and as these yeah. people arise i'm sure you just you know more people right and, and writing a ton of stuff for free which yeah. you know that's true it's just unfortunately part of what we do. The best way to learn to write is yeah, to write. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, so when you're in these early rooms, uh, whether it was the Oxygen show or the things that came next, um, what did it seem like to you? I mean, it, it seemed like you you sort of reveled in this opportunity to get the, your words out there mm-hmm. without you having to do it. Um, but, you know, there's a business to these shows that can be sort of tough and grueling. Yeah, yeah. So my first room, uh, so, like, the Oxygen show is, like, sort of a, a very silly game show for young women. Um, so that was, <laughs> like, we didn't really have a room. We just mm-hmm. wrote, we just churned out shows. We did, I can't remember how many we did, like, two two or three a week? Maybe we did four a week. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was like, yeah. <laughs> um, we just, that was just kind of churning and burning. Uh, and then the next job that I got out in L.A. was MXC, which is um, a show that's taken from an hour-long show called Takeshi's Castle and condensed into a, a half-hour show. It's a Japanese show, and um, we overdub it with no uh, regard for the original Japanese. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Nice. I love that. <laughs> it was a great show, and it, that was a route. That was the most intimidating room I think I've ever been in still to this day because what? it was a room full and and it was I mean it was amazing it was the best learning experience ever uh it was a room full of just really seasoned hilarious people a lot of them from UCB mm. um Mary Shear is one of the people that was it she's just incredible and just so funny and great um uh, this guy Ray James, who's a hilarious writer, um, he's written on everything. He's like kind of started the original Daily Show. Like mm. he's just like a oh, super fun, like just super super funny people. <laughs> this guy Chris Darga, who's a an actor mostly, but just an artist and a comedian, and like just uh, a lot of really seasoned comedy people who uh, were just hilarious and amazing. And I definitely felt like I did not. I wasn't. A, I shouldn't be there. Well, I that's no a business. really interesting thing. And, then, and John, <laughs> yeah. you touched on this as well. But like, 
when we get these early jobs, there's a little bit of imposter syndrome and oh, there's yeah. a little bit of uh, intimidation and, and uh, or feeling intimidated. So how... How do you deal with it? How did you get over it and actually contribute to this? Um, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I even did contribute. I think, I, I don't know. I think it was okay. But um, <laughs> I think it's fine, you guys. <laughs> I'm doing worried, fine. Okay. <laughs> um, Working through it. There. Possibly I mean, right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of things going on. Um, no, it, I, I just I just had to force myself to talk. Mm-hmm. Like, that was just the thing. Just, I had to force myself to say things. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Every day, every morning, I'd be driving in, like, just say things today, Cece. Just say <laughs> things. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not an unusual story. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I feel like I hear this a lot. Yeah. Like, you just do it until it's normal. Right. 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 And then that sort of prepared me for my next job, which was Mind of Mencia, mm-hmm. um, where I really had to say things, and I had to say a lot of dirty and inappropriate things, which is fine. I mean, it's my brain goes there, but um, it's okay. Good to know. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, but that show was like a different thing, and they were, and again, I was surrounded by very seasoned people. There were a lot of yeah. really seasoned comedy writers. Was that a big that room, too? Um, I can't remember. It was, yeah, it was, it was fairly big for that kind of show. I think maybe it was 10. Okay. Yeah, um, and, uh, and a lot of really, again, like a lot of people that were great and it was uh, there was Robert Morton was mm-hmm. one of the producers of that show Morty who's yeah. kind of a legend and um, yeah it was it was such a great it was such a great learning experience and it was also somebody gave me some advice early on which goes to what you were saying is just that um, to get into everything anything that you're interested mm-hmm. in and so I would like try to worm my way into posts and stuff like that mm-hmm. and see how that all works and, and be out on field shoots and just try to like see the whole process and you were given those opportunities yeah, I mean, I, I think it's uh, it depends on who you're working for, who you're working with, but I think if you express that you're interested in doing that or helping out on a shoot or, or helping out in post or just, just sitting and watching, like, some people are like, get get out of here, kid. But, you know, <laughs> I think... Just in exactly like, that voice. Like, yeah. In that voice. Exactly. And yeah. I have a cigar. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a little newsboy cap. Yeah, yeah. And a yeah. cap. Yeah. Yep, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, yeah, a lot of people are willing to, like, let you sit in or, or help or pitch jokes or, yeah. you know, whatever. That's so. great. All right, I want to pick up there when we uh, come back around. Uh, but, Liz... Uh, Tell me about the writing that you did leading up to this screenplay. I yeah. Mean, we mentioned that the way to learn to write is to write. Yeah. Uh, so what were you producing, so, even just for yourself? Yeah, so I had actually started, I went to AFI for grad school, and I studied producing there, actually, because I was under the impression, and still am constantly under the impression, that there are people who are much better writers than I am, and I would never make a living at it. And it's a healthy attitude. Also, <laughs> yep. And so for some reason, I thought producing would be a more viable option um, to make money. And then uh, I actually got really lucky, and I got a job um, working at a production company called Denver and Delilah Films, and I worked there for almost five years in development, okay. and um, I was in—I was basically in my, spent my early twenties there, and um, that was actually like the best writing education I could have gotten because yeah, I read man. scripts every day. And and similarly to what you guys were saying, um, I would just ask to be in story meetings. I would ask to be on calls with directors. I'd be asked to call, be on calls, you know. And, and the head of the company is an actress, and so I actually had an ability to sort of look at stories from a character point of view sort of very specifically rather than um, 
if I was necessarily working for a studio and you're looking at it maybe from a more like umbrella financial aspect or any other ways that they're run, mm-hmm. because I was working for an actress, everything came from character and everything was developed that way. And so that sort of subconsciously as a writer was really great, a really great way to learn because it made character first. It yeah. made everything else was secondary. So um, let me interrupt for a sec because yeah. I want to sort of dig in on some of these things yeah. that you said. But um, when you were on this producing track, yeah. was it in the back of your head that you wanted to write? So I'd always written. Yeah. Um, and my mom will totally take credit because she like constantly be like, you'll be a writer one day. And I was like, <laughs> no, mom. Um, you're saying annoying things? Yeah, That's probably. <laughs> probably because I was like being very snarky at the time. And she was like, go write that down instead of say it to me. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I'd always written, and then actually when I was at AFI, I wrote a thesis um, project that I ended up not making. Um, but so I, I was like, and I was constantly taking creative classes, and I was definitely, as a producer, much more interested in the creative world. You know, I liked working with actors, I liked working with directors, and um, I liked working with other writers. And so um, that was something I was constantly drawn to. And then sort of two years into working at the company, I was like, all right, um, let me just try this. Let me like see if hmm. I can actually write a feature, which if anybody like listening has ever tried to do is sort of like the most soul-sucking thing that you've ever done if you've never done it before because you're like, this is never going to end. I'm never going to finish <laughs> this so ever. Big. It's just like, you're like, wow, page 100, you're getting yes. me. It's so painful. And then ironically, the first draft of the post was 165 pages. So oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But um, uh, Well, I'm curious yeah. to hear about like, can, can you point to anything that that the company was developing at the time that you sort of that helped story click for you? So, well, we uh, the last thing that we did while I was there was Young Adult, mm-hmm. um, and it was, a great movie. It, was an, it was a really great movie. I'm, I'm a big fan of it, um, and that was a film that I actually like. Really, it almost didn't click for me until Charlize was going to play the part because mm. on the page, the character is so unlikable. I mean, and in the movie, she's unlikable. But um, reading it, I was just, it, I was just reading it from like a, here's a piece of paper that I'm reading the words. And I wasn't seeing a three-dimensional, what John was saying about the collaboration of it. And then... Mm. I saw Charlize play the part, and I was like, oh, my God. First of all, there's nobody else who could play this because she's horrifically unlikable and still so... You feel so much empathy for her. Um, And also, I was like, this is why there's 250 other people involved in this project because, uh, you know, it's amazing words on the page, and Charlize is amazing, and Jason is amazing, but there's also all of the other things that went into it to make her be that character and to make that movie be what it was. And so... Um, that was really, I think, I, you know, I had written at that point, and I think, I think I had at that point um, that the movie came out, I had already was decided I was going to leave to write full time. But it was seeing that movie that really sort of put into perspective for me, like, well, I don't want to write something to sit in a drawer. You know, mm-hmm. it was I want to write something that is going to entice other people to want to t- make this their own and to make this a collaboration. You know, I think hmm. a lot of writers can be auteurs and mm-hmm. and. That's amazing. I'm not one of those people. Um, And so I really was sort of, that kind of gave me the jumping off, not to just like, oh, I want to write things that sound good in my head. It was, I want to write things that are visual. I want to write things that um, give somebody else the inspiration to take it on a different road that I never would have gone down to. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's a good, it's a good thing, I think, for writers to sort of keep in their minds. Yeah. This isn't just you. I mean, getting back to what you originally were talking about, John. Um, I want to talk about, um, you know, you've worked on a number of different 
shows, a number of different kinds of shows, right. and, and sort of telling your own story through other people's shows. You know, oftentimes, this is the life of a writer, right? We go and work on other people's projects uh, while still trying to create our own. Um, but you've had this opportunity again and again, and I'm curious about, like, where are you in it? Have you been able to tell your story or explore your interests through other people's work? Or uh, creations, absolutely. I guess. And, and, and a couple things about that, because one of the things I did learn on X-Files is that the vision of the show, and on Breaking Bad, and pretty much everything I've worked in, stuff I've developed myself, even the vision of the show is a collaborative thing. The X-Files would not mm-hmm. be what it was if it wasn't for Glenn Morgan and James Wong and Howard Gordon and Frank Spotnitz and me and Vince yeah. and a lot of other people. Because shows are not, um, it's a living thing. And so it grows. And, and, and one of the, the strange uh, phenomenon I've seen lately with, I mean, it's great that there's so many buyers now. You, can, you know, everybody's making draw TV <laughs> right. drama in particular. And it's like, wow, great. The downside is that you're doing eight and ten episodes and it really takes time for shows to find themselves and for uh, in tone and uh, uh, in character and 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 you're you're inexorably tied to that that whole other part of the process the production and the post yeah. and uh, and also I think that that that's where the story. Where, where, when you say, I guess I guess I had a. I never thought my writing was um, the be all end all. I wanted to write something that got made, mm-hmm. and I want to see it. And I, and so, and I think like a. And I actually started when I first started. I wanted to be a director mm-hmm. uh, when I was young and and in high school. And it's like I want to be a director. That's what I wanted. So, but I said, "How am I going to do that?" That's like, a, so I uh, my the two heroes that I had, or the two people I wanted to emulate, were uh, Billy Wilder, you know, start big, <laughs> aim high, um, and Lawrence Kasdan. Mm-hmm. They both started as writers yeah. and did, were very successful at it, and they also had a broad command of genre, mm-hmm. and not genre in the way that we use that right. word now but they which, could move but a, among genre different in the sort of yeah in the in the the studio system mm-hmm. yeah version which was musical western right. romance you know yeah drama social drama mm-hmm. i i love the, and they're both writer directors who would do a film noir and then would do a war movie yeah. and then would do and they'd be just a as comedy good. and they'd all be at a, a love because it's it's it, you know I, I just don't it, it interests me because I loved all those things mm-hmm. as just a fan as a movie yeah. fan and it's like why can't I do all that why can't I do western and and it's funny I look, I was talking to someone else about that recently looking back and it's like you know I kind of did that I did Star Trek I did a western <laughs> mm-hmm. I did <laughs> yeah you know I did a noirish which you know Breaking Bad is very much a suburban noir yeah. Yeah. you know it's like oh hey it actually worked I mean to me this was always one of the great things of the X Files too is it could be yes. so many things mm-hmm. within this very broad framework it was such a fungible show in that way it, it was and that was one of the ways that I found myself as as a writer in within that playground that somebody else has set up and that's kind of that actually is um 
is is the job, even if you created it, to be honest. And that's something that yeah. I think people don't think about enough because it's like you've got this creator up there. And from the creator's point of view, I I love to feed out. When, when somebody gives me a script mm-hmm. that, uh, that that has found something in a character that I never saw, yeah. it's like, I'm running with that. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. And that makes the show better. And that mm-hmm. makes me look better. Yeah. And... and there's no, you know, well, I didn't think of that, so that can't be good. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Is there is there a way as a showrunner, though, to sort of empower your staff to find that? Absolutely. And um, that's what I try to do from day one in the writer's room. Um, but a big part of that, to me, is is defining that playground that they are playing in and making them, mm-hmm. like a child, feel mm-hmm. safe Mm-hmm. So it's like mm-hmm. your episode is going to be good. Do yeah. not worry, okay? Right. So because <laughs> I will make sure, and and my senior writer producers will make sure, if you're a young writer, if it's your you know that right. that this because one of the things that that Chris said to me, uh, I think I said it earlier today, um, you know, never give up on an episode. So mm-hmm. that was an that was a, an ethos that. I got from the X Files, and I've kept that you can always make it better. Mm-hmm. So we're, you know, when they're when they wrap shooting, or you know, before that, we would, uh, and I still do. It's like I'll look at what's shooting tomorrow, and if there's a scene that a piece of dialogue could be better, let's change it. I know it sometimes freaks out people on set. <laughs> sometimes I'll call them, and I'll, or sometimes I'll go down to the set and just say, "Listen, try it this way. Mm-hmm. You know, you did it that mm-hmm. way. You did it the way you practiced, and you were prepared, and." Can we try one like that? Sure, you know, and that may be the one. Uh, uh, and then when you get into, you know, uh, you basically make an episode three times. You make it in the writers' room, you make it on set, and you make it in post. And you can, if you don't give up on it, and maybe, and it's fighting for rewrites, it's fighting for pickup shots, it's um, because you're, you're, and I try to include the writer in, as much in that because again, it's it's. I tell them on day one, you are responsible not for a script, but for a great episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm here to help. Right. I'm here to, to make sure that happens. But I want them, to, and so I'll, I'll give them, uh, you know, and even if I have to come in and, and rewrite a scene, or another writer has to rewrite a scene, it's like, let's throw this to this writer mm-hmm. because they write that character really well mm-hmm. and let's let her, you know, yeah. her do the It's about the episode. It's about the episode. Yeah, the and, produced thing. And I'm also, you know, just from a credit point of view, and this is another thing that um, we felt on X-Files, I don't, I don't parse out mm-hmm. who wrote what. Everybody gets credit for their episode. Yeah. Even if it turned into a page one rewrite. Mm-hmm. And, and I did it, or I, uh, uh, three writers did it. doesn't matter. Because we're making that episode, yeah. and I want them still to care and not give up on it until the end. And it's That's like, great. And, and you know, sometimes you can when when you're doing the crazy hours, and the writer comes to you and says, "You know, I saw dailies, and that was not good." It's like, please, not another problem. But I want it. But I really <laughs> right. do you want have it. to hear it because yeah. I have to hear it. And it's like you are making it better. Good. Yeah. We'll reshoot that scene. You're right. Interesting. Um, so it's 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 uh, uh, so it's making that playground that's safe that that, that people feel like. And I always uh, try not to 
there's a lot of anxiety in, in this business. And as I have no idea what you're talking about. It's all in this room, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very comfortable all the time. We're actually just fueling <laughs> Los Angeles with our anxiety right now. The lights are on because of us. But yeah, if you can sort of you try to, to take keep that, that outside, yeah. It, yeah. it is kind of like, I'm, I'm not talking down to them, it is like children. It's like you don't tell your kids around the dinner table. You know, I, I just yeah. got fired, yeah, and exactly. we can't pay our bills, <laughs> yeah. and I'm sorry. Yeah. You, you, there's a possibility we might be homeless. Right. It's like, you know, you, you leave that out, and you say, let's, let me help you with your homework. You know, and you yeah. and, and it's the same kind of thing. Let's keep, let's like make this space where we can all be safe and just play. Yeah. And, it's, and, and, and then we go out, and we can fight the fights, uh, you know, outside that room. Yeah. I, I want to get more specifically yeah. into that, but I'm I was, sorry. I know, I, was just, I think the credit thing is actually so important, and so mm-hmm. often, particularly with young writers because like you know my, my husband works in television he's worked in television for I won't say how long because then he'll get mad at me Six but a long time a lot, like 10 <laughs> years I think like think like 10 years and um, you know you see sort of like the writer's assistants that just get their first bump to be a staff writer or something like that and there is sort of they don't want to say am I going to have to share credit on this hmm. and because no one wants to make that be what they're asking they don't want to seem mm-hmm. sort of like petty or, you know, like an, a, an ego thing, because it's not. It's really, you know, this is my first break, and I've been working for this forever. And I think it's actually, t- I, I, I think that's so great that you just say, like, you're going to get it no mm-hmm. matter what, because it just alleviates this, I mean, as we said, we have a lot of it. So it alleviates at least, like, one layer of <laughs> one anxiety, layer of anxiety right. that, like, oh, I'm not going to have to. And then I also feel like it can make it a learning experience with working with the other writers. Rather mm-hmm. than, like, I'm Absolutely. competing against you for yeah. my words to be on the page, it's, okay, well, let's just all make this better. And if your version is, you know, best, it can make best idea win feel less right. like a battle, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's so a great way to think about it. Takes the you're right about the education side of it, and that's really important. It's like instead of looking at going, because I'll see, and I did the same thing. My first script, it's like, what did he change? What did he change? What did he right. change? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As opposed to, why did he change? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, you know, mm-hmm. maybe I should. Now I see he yeah. was he didn't want the character to say that because this was better left unsaid. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to think about that next time. Which, yeah. again, I mean, it's a hard thing to it's do, hard, right? It's hard yeah, to take your ego, ego out of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, speaking of... I was speaking just going to say John, I want to work for you and I want you to be my dad. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's okay. That's, yeah. That. I never want to talk about bills okay. at the table. And this sounds great. This room, I'm, we're not, you hired two new writers today. Right. I love it. I love okay. it. There's always an ulterior motive for this yeah. podcast. It's to bring a family together. Yes. <laughs> To be adopted. Yeah, I, um, I, lo- I love my real dad. <laughs> I, no offense. A, to yes. him. He will never listen to this. He has no idea what a podcast is. <laughs> um, speaking of ego, these uh, comedy rooms that you've been on, uh-huh. been in, can be very competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you negotiate that? How do you make sure that your voice is told? And I'm also, you know, sort of back to the original question that I asked John. Like, how do you? How does? CC get into these jokes? Like, where's your personality right. in the where's jokes the that come out? Where's the injection of CC? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. I need 10 CC. <laughs> right. Oh. Oh, man. Oh, I love that. Wow. Wait, let's make that into a show. That's your show right there. I don't know. But, you know, um, how, do you, how do you get your, not just your voice. I feel like voice, I'm in a variety room. Yeah, right. I know. I'm so Not sorry. just your literal voice so heard. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Not just literally your voice heard, yeah. but also, you know, your creative voice creative heard in voice. the shows. Right. Um, you know, I think, 
That's a great question, and I don't know the answer. Thank you. Um, I'm very good at this. <laughs> I think at its best, uh, a variety room is what John uh, so lovingly described as like a, a collaboration, and everybody realizes that we're all on the same team. And a lot of times on these shows, there's one. I hate to say guy, but is mm-hmm. one guy talking or or maybe in the future one lady talking or whatever. But um, And so everything is filtered through that person. Um, and, you know, you hope, best case scenario, you hope that you have a room full of people that are diverse in what they bring. And so everybody, like, maybe... I'm the silly one and and you're the smart one and you're I don't know I I make it sound like a, a sweet valley high novel but like <laughs> we're the spice girls <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, you're the hippie and <laughs> you're the princess um, but like <laughs> wow I think you don't know who the spice girls are <laughs> I don't I actually don't <laughs> I know one of them has uh, but I don't ginger I don't what is ginger thing I'm not gonna lie the spice girls came on the radio the other day and I went to change it and I was like no yeah, I'm gonna no. leave that oh, it's on very catchy. I was Real like alright I'll do this I'm alone in the car the windows are up absolutely but it really yes. lasted for like 20 seconds and I was like no no okay now yeah. we've I, that was my Spice Girls injection for 10 years <laughs> I'd say good. the tunes are catchy but I don't yeah. know the canon of the Spice Girls I don't know like their they're person. sporty Guys, this whole podcast just oh, took yeah. a turn is yes. sporty yes. a Spice by the way yeah, I mean know. now. I mean they yeah, they kind of diverge from yeah, what from like a spice cabinet. The core value. Of <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god, was that what they were supposed? But posh is also not a spice. Yeah. No. Old spice. Old spice. Yeah. Is there only? Well, ginger is the only Ginger's one that's the an only actual, actual spice. spice. Yeah. So. And it's, and it's not about her personality. Yeah. <laughs> I, we just realized that the last 20 years. Welcome back to the Spice Cast. <laughs> uh, of course, we were, we're on our 15th viewing of Spice World. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I don't I wanna, know how I inject my voice. I want to talk about um, the Bill Nye room. Was that yeah. a room-based show? Yes, okay. it was a room-based show. Um, that was a really interesting room, and it, one of the funnest... Funnest is a word. Mm-hmm. I'm a writer. I'm with you. Um, <laughs> we'll fix it in post. That's your voice. <laughs> Take that That's out. That is the voice. That is yeah. my voice. Correct grammar. It's absolutely my voice. Um, <laughs> uh, it was one of the most fun rooms I've been in. What um, made it so? Because we had almost two different worlds. We had hardcore science writers, mm-hmm. um, people who come from a completely science or science communication background, people with... PhDs and beyond, um, and then we had really funny comedy writers. That's really um, funny. So it was, and and sometimes a great funny idea would come from the science side, and sometimes <laughs> a cool science idea would come from the comedy side. And so and everybody and it was such a nice, uh, loving, friendly room that everybody was comfortable with that. Hmm. So like a lot, like people really took their egos out of it. Um, and if, you know, Tegan Wall, PhD, had a great comedy idea, which she did. Um, <laughs> Can you talk about any, like, specifics about any of that stuff that you recall? Um, yeah, let's see. Um, actually, so there's a, a young woman named Tegan who's uh, mm-hmm. hilarious and also a, um, a PhD in neuroscience from Caltech. Me too. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all of us, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really casual. <laughs> um, she, oh God, I can't think of a specific, she just, came, she would just come up with great, like, funny lines and she had, like, a lot of great science jokes and, and Bill Nye is, uh, I mean, he 
is a science man, but he... <laughs> he's a science guy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's, he's grown up, guys. <laughs> um, uh, but he he was a stand-up comic, so he, right. you know, I mean, he, like, it was important to him to blend those worlds because it, uh, the show is about comedy and science, about communicating science in a way that mm-hmm. people feel safe. <laughs> is that, uh, compared to more of a straightforward comedy show, like, does having that mandate make it more challenging? Does it make it easier, having those parameters? Um, you know, I think sometimes parameters are nice. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes it's cool that you're playing within this safe fenced-in area yeah. that John was talking about, like, this sort of, like, you have a safe playground, and, and I think it's... It's a fun challenge to know that okay, we need to. We're doing an episode on sexuality, and we need to come up with um, jokes and and also like ways to communicate metaphors to communicate this very sciencey, heady topic or whatever. Um, so and and it's and it's really fun uh, and really interesting. We had this girl Flora Lickman who is a, she does a great podcast in New York actually um, about science mm-hmm. and she's a great science writer and director and she does all sorts of neat things. Um, she was one of the people who was really instrumental in our the sexuality episode um, that we that was we got nominated for an Emmy for it for writing um, and she was a big part of that as was Tegan and and uh, Michael Natis our showrunner and. Bill, obviously, and Mike Drucker, the head mm-hmm. writer, who's hilarious and great. Um, and she, I don't know, she has such a great sense of humor, and she's such a funny person, and so she's so great at communicating. And it's also like, we also have to be careful about what we say, and sure. so that we're not, we want to try to have a big audience, uh, or as wide an audience mm-hmm. as we can, because right now we're in a, you know, I mean, not to, <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. not to get political, but we're in kind of an anti-science climate, and yeah. Bill is somebody, I think, who's been able to span... Uh, just get to a larger audience. Yeah, and I just saw his uh, "Why the Earth Is Not Flat" thing. Yeah. Uh, his little the video that hap- that was on, and I, it was I was like, just let's just go show this to Russell Westbrook right now, or not yeah. Russell Westbrook? No, is it? Uh, it's a uh, uh, Kyrie Irving. Ky- yes. Kyrie Irving, who like goes on everything, and is like the Earth is flat, yeah, yeah. and it's just like Bill is yeah. like, I'm going to tell you exactly why it's not, and it's funny, yeah. but it's also like, sure. oh, yeah, obviously, yeah. it's making that message go down. Yeah, yeah. which is also uh, there's a lot of pressure in for the right. Writers for mm-hmm. him, there was a lot of pressure in like not destroying his legacy. <laughs> <laughs> sure, no pressure. So, yeah. That's very funny. Because um, a lot of people got real mad at us for um, saying that sexuality is on a spectrum and things like that. And and Bill is, uh, you know, as much as it's like, how do you inject your voice when it's one person is talking? But but it's also like, how do you make sure that you don't give something to a talent to, to Bill Nye that right. makes him seem like he doesn't know what he's talking about or he's, right. you know, being mean to someone or, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah it makes a lot of sense. Um, is that show out right now? Can uh, we plug that? December, What's going on? Well, yeah, well, the first season is out. You can, it's on Netflix, but December 29th is uh, okay. the second season. Okay, so that'll be this week. People hear this, they yes. can check it out. Um, I wanted to ask, so we started talking about these personal stories mm-hmm. um, that you're putting into your work, and I'm curious about that with The Post, mm-hmm. and, and how did this become the story that you had to tell? Was there a personal aspect to it? Yeah. Um, I had read Catherine Graham's memoir years ago and had sort of just become, like, obsessed with her. Um, 
not the least of which because I didn't know who she was before I read her book, mm-hmm. and I consider myself fairly educated, and so that was embarrassing. And then <laughs> uh, I kind of just read more and more about her, and, and she was, I mean, for people who don't know, she's the publisher of the Washington Post. Her father had bought the Post in the 30s, I believe, and then had given the Post to um, Catherine Graham's husband over her. And... Um, her husband had died um, in the mid-60s, and um, so she sort of took over. She inherited the paper. And um, this was a woman who had been told her entire life that she was not supposed to speak up or, you know, definitely run the company or really even have a job. Um and very much suddenly was thrust into this position of not only do you have to have an opinion, you have to have the opinion because um, everything is writing on you. Right. And um, so so that that's sort of the, the moment in time I chose to focus. I mean, and she had many other aspects of her life were incredibly interesting, and mm-hmm. there's like a dozen movies about her that can be made. But that was the part that I chose to focus on because that sort of universal idea of a woman trying to find her voice Mm -hmm. was something that I didn't have to be 55 and I didn't have to be in 1971 (laughs) to have to relate to that. You know, Um, we all work in a male dominated industry. It's not uncommon that I find myself to be the only woman in a room. And Mm -hmm. um, very often, it's funny, I was having this conversation with a male writer who's a friend of mine and and he was saying, you know, what's interesting is if you're in a room of men, uh, no men notice if a woman walks in the room. But if you're in a room of women, everyone notices when a man walks in the room because all of a sudden there is just, intended or not, there's the concept of I have to get my voice heard. You know, there is Mm -hmm. the concept of there's this this threat for, you know, which I don't mean threat, but, you know, and um, I think that's something that was very relevant to me and, and so I thought, well, let's try and make a movie about it. And well, then that we becomes are. an enormous yeah. puzzle, yeah. right? I mean, so much of the stuff we do, and it occurred to me as you're talking about, like, putting the pieces together of Bill Nye's voice and science and comedy is this puzzle solving. Yeah. Right? Uh, and and hopefully it tells a story. Yeah. Um, so how did you start to structure this thing? How did you start to find the way this story should be told? Well, fortunately for me, the events of um, reality of the week that the movie <laughs> takes place are, are I couldn't have made up. Um, you know, uh, it takes place in the publishing of the Pentagon Papers. Um, that really was the week of her birthday. That was really the kidding. week that the Washington Post went public. Um, and there wow. is a stipulation in that that if... Um, I think it's termed a catastrophic, catastrophic event occurs, they can pull the offering... A federal indictment it is qualified in that wow. language as a catastrophic event. Wow. Um, so she uh, so and uh, she was really sitting at a table with Abe Rosenthal when he got the telex that said, um, you know, the New York the U.S. government is going to put an injunction against the New York Times. So like all of those things really happened. Mm-hmm. Um, which was great in sort of a procedural way to have this right. reality. You have these sort of tent poles. Yeah, we right? sort of knew. But you're doing yeah. more than connecting well, the dots. Well, and so for me, again, going back to character, what was great about it was, okay, so I have sort of these, like, you know, um, marks, these check marks that I have to hit in terms of what's happening in ta- the timeline, which hmm. was great because then I could just focus on her character and her hmm. arc, um, you know, which is really her... You know, we open the movie and we see her surrounded in a boardroom full of men, and she can't speak up, and she's intimidated, almost more by herself than any of the men. Mm. Um, getting to a point where ultimately she has to make this decision where whether or not to publish the papers or not, um, knowingly going against uh, uh, the injunction against the Times, knowingly um, 
go, going to be potentially indicted by the United States government, but also knowing it's the right thing to do. And so... Um, I won't give anything away, but... <laughs> but I also mean, history. But also Wikipedia. <laughs> so I'm like... Read a book. Yeah. Yeah, guys. Um, but no, I'm, I, I won't say it, but really, Wikipedia. Um, but uh, so, you know, so for me, um, what was really lovely about sort of this task of writing this script was, um, that I put upon myself, was uh, being able to focus on her character and being able to focus on, you know, her really defining her voice, and which is a little tricky as a writer because you're sort of always like excited to write a character's voice, and then when they don't really have one, you kind of are... That was sort of the struggle of... Or not the struggle, there's the challenge of writing the script is because she's very quiet and she's very subtle and she doesn't make a lot of choices. And so it's easy to to have fallen into this trap of writing her as passive or as yeah. a victim or um so how do you keep like that, that character engaging for the first you know two thirds of the movie well Meryl Streep plays her so that, that helps. kind of easy <laughs> <laughs> but it's awesome. your, it's but your as, script that brought people sure, in really I think as the script is you just have to make her as human as possible mm-hmm. and, and you have to make her as relatable as possible you know I always thought that um, when I had first read about her and decided to write this script, that something that would be difficult is, you know, writing about a woman who has a silver spoon in her mouth and, you know, that. But in actuality, she was just, you know, a human being who had gone through a really, you know, her husband had um, unfortunately committed suicide six or seven years earlier and um, her father and mother had all died in sort of the same span of time. Mm. And so she was really left kind of... Alone and um, and sort of just out, kind of flapping in the wind, trying to make these decisions that she was never equipped to, you know, to handle. And um, it's funny watching The Crown, which I, I'm obsessed with. I, I identify so much of Catherine Graham and and oh, Elizabeth II because, you know, it's particularly the episode where she goes to in this first season where she um, is like, "Why didn't you educate me?" You know, she's mm-hmm. talking to her mother about her education, and I was like, "It's so true. Women of that era were not educated to be individuals. Yeah. They were not educated to be independent." Um, so yeah, so I think it was just about making her human, making her feel like a person that you could have a conversation with. Yeah, that you makes know? a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I want to sort of ask the same, a similar question, John. Well, I want to pick up yeah. on that because I think that's really important that. Um, and it, it it dovetails with your previous where where do you find your voice as a writer, mm-hmm. and finding saying I'm finding making someone relatable or grounded really means f- writing about something that you mm-hmm. feel, mm-hmm. finding yeah. yourself in that, yeah, and uh, not in a a surface plot. This is the story of somebody born in Los Angeles who did what I did, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But the emotional journeys that you have in life. Um, it's finding places in the characters that you have to write about mm-hmm. those things that were important to you. So whether it's marriage, children, family, job, friendship, mm-hmm. you know, family conflicts, whatever it is, death in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where good writing comes from. Is saying is not saying I, I, this is not my story, but saying where in this story am, mm-hmm. yeah. am I. And that's where the and I can see it in 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 my own writing and in other, and in writers that that work with me that it's like the scenes that are the best are the ones where you're actually digging deep into yourself and you're seeing things about about yourself and about your relationships in your life, but applying it to you know Dana Scully or Walter right. White or or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, uh, 
that's kind of that's, that's actually you know it, the other thing that you said problem solving sounds like a negative thing but it's really what we do mm-hmm. yeah. it's really what it, it's, yeah. it's these things are puzzles to be put it, together it, it, it is a, it, it is a puzzle and and there it, it, and it's not um and I, and that's why I, I don't I don't have that anxiety like I've never had writer's block because I believe in oh, so the process. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, because it is a puzzle. So mm-hmm. if I'm stuck, I'm not asking the right question, mm-hmm. or I'm not asking myself the right mm-hmm. question. And it's like, why, wh- you know, why did this character come in this room? And there are whole scenes that we've written, shot, and then cut. Because it's like, you know, we never figured out why this scene. Mm-hmm. What is this? Why is this <laughs> in the show? Yeah. It's a great scene. But it doesn't. Right. It doesn't fit in the puzzle. It's a, it's a puzzle that doesn't quite fit. Yeah. A puzzle piece that doesn't quite yeah. fit. So, um, that, but by laying out a um, in the writer's room, and I, and I do it with in, when I'm solo, when I'm alone too, is is I, I, we use these these cork boards and we write on cards very specifically. And there's sort of a zen to it, and I won't let anybody print them out and cut them out. <laughs> by writing it, it forces you to think about everything you're, you're putting down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, all you yeah. X Files guys do that, and, and that's something that, that I picked up from Chris and, yeah. and, and Glenn and Jim. To be honest, they, they yeah. it was my first experience with that. And then I've heard this a few times. I've done this all my career, and it and and so it, it reduces the anxiety mm-hmm. level of I have nothing. There's a blank page. There's no <laughs> blank page. I start at the top, and you say, "What's the what's the hook? The teaser? Just, what's the opening?" I just had like a chill go down my spine thinking of a blank page. Like I, I, like, I just had a visceral reaction to that immediately. I was like, oh, I have that. You did. You had a very visceral reaction to just the words writer's blog. Yeah, I did. So uh, clearly, this is something you've struggled with. Well, I think first of all, John's totally right. Writer's block is, I think, always self-imposed, and it's always based on fear, and it's based on like whatever fear it might be that day. Either I'm going to be a terrible writer, either it's not going to be as good, um, I'm not going to do it justice, uh, th- like, there, I'm never going to have another good idea. Like, it's based on all things that you're very naturally scared about. And, um... I, I, it's it's just <laughs> some of us are maybe more strong-willed to then still sit down, sure. whereas I'm like I'll go clean my living room and <laughs> yes. um, and see like literally what else I can do in my life yeah. that doesn't involve sitting down <laughs> and staring at it. But the blank page is terrifying, and and yeah, I, I'm not a big outliner either. So I think for me, That's like I often then am just like here's page one. What happens? So how do you yeah. push through? You just have to start writing. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, you literally just have to start. Usually I'll start with the scene that I'm like most excited to write. It's sort of outside of whatever chronological mm-hmm. context it is. Is if there's something, if there's a scene that I know I can do, even if it's a tiny, tiny little scene. Um, I recently, I, I encountered this because I recently did an adaptation of this article called We're the Only Plane in the Sky. And luckily there was an article that existed, but I was totally forced with this anxiety of, you know, the post had like a really great reaction, which was wonderful. And then I was like, well, what if I never, ever write anything good ever again? <laughs> um, and I just, you know, so I literally, you know, and I kind of had a little bit of an outline, but I basically 
sat there for almost two weeks just staring at wow. this and sort of like casually I would write a word and then be like Ugh. and then I did the t- I wrote the title page every day <laughs> yeah. and like changed the date of the title page <laughs> yeah, every yeah, day yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. like this is the work I did that this work I just great um, and then finally you know there was a scene in the article that I had been really looking forward to writing and and it was a very emotional scene and so I was like okay I'll just write that. Um, and uh, that sort of was in the middle, and so I just kind of built upward and outward. So that really opened it up for you. Yeah, I mean, also because first drafts are just always garbage. So it's, right. for me, it's like just vomiting that out as quickly yeah. as possible. And so accepting that that's going to be the yeah. case, I think, yeah. is a big thing. Yeah. For Which you have to kind of learn new every time. You're like, oh, it, right, yeah. it's not going to be good the first <laughs> time. True. Right, right. And I'll, I mean, I'll say, like, in, in TV, we don't have the luxury of... Two weeks yeah. to sit on <laughs> the yeah. stair yeah. right? No. I was going to say, like, sketch and, and yeah. variety has really trained me pretty well for... I mean, not that I still look at a blank page and have a heart attack. <laughs> no offense to heart attack sufferers, but... Um, the like, I don't know. It's yeah. <laughs> maybe it's not okay to use that as a whatever. Anyway, <laughs> guys, I have a lot of anxiety. Um, <laughs> I feel like we've reached like an anxiety anonymous group, except like we, everyone knows who we are. But like, it's really we're. This is just how we talk about our deepest fears. Yeah. Oh, this is every episode. Yeah. <laughs> but like with sketch and and variety, and you you know this. Like it's you have to. Like sometimes you just have to crank something out. Yeah. Like uh, there's a deadline. Yeah, you have to have it done by yeah. five a.m. or whatever, and so you just have to do it. And so I try to. I just wrote an hour long that will probably sit in a drawer forever. But um, but <laughs> I great. I wanted to write it, and and uh, so I tried to approach it when I was sitting there staring at my blank page. I tried to approach it like a sketch or something where I had a deadline yeah. and just tell myself like you just have to poop this out. Yeah. And then <laughs> Did that does that work? Like does the self-imposed deadline work for you? <sighs> Not always. Right? Cuz you're only accountable to you. Yeah. I mean then I, yeah, like this morning I'm I'm trying to write something else right now and I organized my bathroom this morning <laughs> nice. instead of doing It's usually I, mean, I didn't yeah. need it to be organized. Well, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, usually it's when you get the phone call from somebody else that's like, so, yeah. how's it going? And yeah. like, oh, right, 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 So that deadline oh, is yeah, a real yeah, deadline yeah. now. Okay, got, got it. it. Okay, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Gonna go sit down. <laughs> got it. I will, yeah, I will reorganize, like, my entire house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I hate cleaning. I hate organizing. <laughs> I will, like, go to the deep depths of my closet mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah. Oh, my house is it. never cleaner than when I'm on script. Oh, yeah. what, are, what are your avoidance actually, tactics? Well, I actually started to embrace them. Because I, I'm a big believer in the subconscious, and mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. while you're cleaning your bathroom, you yeah. are actually working. For sure, 100%. And, and it's letting yourself off the hook of, I must uh, I must create, I must create. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, putting words so on the page I'll, isn't the only part of the like, process. Like I'm a big believer in, in, in taking a walk. So it's yeah. like, I'll work on something. It's like, no, I'm taking a walk. Yeah. And it's like, you come back, and oh, there's the answer. Yeah. John, um, just... <laughs> Come to my house with <laughs> me for a little while. Just like for like an hour. Just stand over Next her week. while she writes. I, I do life coaching. So. <laughs> yeah. This is what we need. It's true though, I think like I mean like I was reading the Hard Reporter article. Well, when this comes out, I was I was reading it in early December. Um, and Sorkin takes like nine showers a day. Mm-hmm. That's his like his walk. He like because right. he. Well, like, this is fifth, why we have a water problem. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, we found out the energy source <laughs> yeah. and the water problem. What on this is podcast. he trying to scrub no, away? Very clean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like that. That's because I mean, and I get it by the way, because you're like not on your phone. There's no sort yeah. of you're in total sensory deprivation. But like it's true. I think, you know, I wrote the post in about three months, and people are always like, "Wow, that's so quick." I'm like, "Well, I." 
spent like a year and a half before that thinking about it. That's you right. know, I mean, right. you do have to spend, you, and you have to kind of give yourself the time to be like, okay, I'm going to sort of shut my brain off from worrying about what's not there and think about how I can get there creatively. Like, I... I generally think, like, if there's a, what's what you're saying, if there's an issue, if this scene isn't good, it's because you haven't figured out why it's not good yet. And it's, you, and by the way, sitting there typing and retyping dialogue is not going to make it better. Because there's a fundamental (laughs) issue that you're with. Unless that's your way of figuring things out. Well, Some people will do that. Sure. I mean, I, by the way, can rewrite dialogue until, you know, can (laughs) come. But, um, I mean, but I think, like, you know, generally there's, like, a fundamental issue in the scene. Either the structure of the scene or the motivation of the scene. And so, and by sort of picking away at it, you're never going to, like, actually get to the problem. Um, And sometimes it takes, like, watching The West Wing for nine hours before you're like, oh, right, this was what I needed to get to. (laughs) Got it. Absolutely. This is also, I just want my managers to be listening, so I'm like, this is the reason that I watched The West Wing for nine hours and didn't (laughs) get that. It was all part of my process. I'm getting inspired, looking for answers. Um, I want to ask very briefly about Shut Eye and... uh, Yes. You are so you're coming into the show in the second season. Yes, uh, you were not there in the first season. Is no. that right? Um, and sort of the same thing. Like, how do you warm up for this show and prepare yourself, and then have again a vision for a show that is someone else's? Well, two things. Um, that happens a lot uh, yeah. in this business. Absolutely. And the way that uh, mm-hmm. for that reason that we talked about, which is shows do need to find themselves. Mm-hmm. It's like I've never. And if you look back at your favorite shows that did hundreds of episodes, you look back at the beginning, it's mm-hmm. like, that wasn't as amazing as I thought, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. because they were finding the show. Mm-hmm. Um, this show uh, had a very intriguing premise, had a, a lovely pilot script, um, and, uh, but it, it had 10 episodes and it hadn't found itself yet. And uh, they went through a couple showrunners in the first season. I had nothing to do with it. Um, they were in Vancouver, mm-hmm. pretending to be L.A., which is not easy. <laughs> they were shooting in Vancouver? Shooting in Vancouver. Um, and I, uh, <clears throat> it happened to be executive produced by Mark Johnson and Melissa Bernstein, who I worked with years ago on Breaking Bad yeah. and have developed since various things. And we always, it was always a lovely experience, and we, wanted to, we kept looking for something to work together on. And... Uh, they came to me because uh, Hulu wanted to bring wanted another season but they didn't have you know uh, it still hadn't found itself Mm -hmm. and I uh, so I attacked it as if it was as if that whole first season was a pilot Hmm. Um, all we brought were the cast who were terrific and that really helps and so I immersed myself in the cast and and where they and where their characters had gone, but without making a study of it, because mm-hmm. audiences don't go back. Audiences watch in a in a linear forward mm-hmm. fashion, and so I don't feel like I have to. And, and on any of the shows I've worked on, even when it's something that I created, it's like, well, we said this in episode one hundred and one, but now wouldn't it be great if? This is and it's like you can do that if you're if you're smart about it. So I didn't I didn't look at that as and and a pilot the pilot versus series thing which everybody has has experienced. Pilots are are phenomenally different than series ninety nine percent of the time. Less these days because of these short straight to series orders and that kind of thing. But right. still the pilot is 
uh, is is basically you know out of town uh, trials, mm-hmm. yeah. and then you come in and you're remaking it, and you're finding out which of these character arcs has legs and which don't, and which of these storylines work, and and what's the tone and the feel and the look, and all those things are part of it. So basically, I attacked it as as a new show, uh, and here's a pilot. Now go. Um, and, and even in the writer's room, we started from scratch. I, I like to put up character boards mm-hmm. when, I have a, when I'm breaking something new. And so we put up pictures of the actor. And this is the character's name. Where were they born? Where did they go to school? How many kids did they have? Did they have what, what happened in their past? How did they get to that place? And what in that then will give us fodder for the future because these are character driven these these dramas that we do now yeah. are very character driven and so that's the me that, that's that's the that's that's that's, that's, that's what we need to play with so we started and and I, we, we talked hulu and and sony into bringing the show to la mm-hmm. awesome which made it a huge difference not just because i can work at home but right. because it what i what what i saw it was an la story i'm from los angeles I've worked in this business for decades. I've shot in L.A. I've never shot L.A. for L.A. Mm-hmm. Ever. <laughs> really? Oh, That's wow. funny. Really? And so it's like the opportunity yeah, to, what a great to use channel. it as as a as as a background and another character in the show, much like we did like Albuquerque and Breaking Bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't in Albuquerque, it'd be a different show. Period. Yeah. Right. So let's do if that. If you can LA. use your location that way, yeah, yeah, that's really yeah. cool. So, that's great. Uh, and and I'm so proud of what we did this season. It really, we 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 had we had stages in Santa Clarita, and then, nice. but we shot all over the valley, and the characters live in the valley, so that helps. But we got we're all over town actually, that's great. and cool. uh, and really gave it gave it a a feel uh, uh, from that. And but story wise, we started from the characters, and mm-hmm. then we said, okay, and, and they did have a very large um, cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Sort of a kitchen sink cliffhanger mm. <laughs> that um, the that nobody really knew what was going to happen next. I mean, it was literally. Oh, so, in, in a way, that was very freeing because it was like, yeah. okay, here's what you've got. Right, we've inherited the story point. Yeah. <laughs> now let's let's now let's see where I can go. Not this is where they were thinking, or because they didn't, yeah. which is better. It's not, it was yeah. it was kind of nice to have. It's like having a. Um, a, a novel or something that you're going okay this was a finite ending mm-hmm. but we're making a series out of it right. so where does it go there's more story so here. it's like you know and and, our, and and how do we deepen those characters so that their story to take us into season after that's season that's great so I'm excited really to watch fun. this me too <laughs> I'm you're, so you're selling it. it yeah I'm so, so cool. proud of it that's it's great. really and we've got Isabella Rossellini for God's sake yeah the cast is really great Isabella Rossellini I know I know <laughs> uh, so so uh, Shut Eye it premieres Early December, and they are, are they releasing all of them? What, how are they releasing, releasing all of them? Which is the first time oh, my nice. career wow. ever faced uh, like the the, the drop. we had to have them all the, the drop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, did it change the way you conceived of story? Not really. Okay, but um, I'm really curious to, because I'm I'm not a. I'm not one of the, a streamer person y- mm-hmm. yet. I'm getting, you know, I'm learning fast. You got to stay with the times, <laughs> but I don't binge a lot cause, just because of time. Yeah, you know, right. I'm light. It's like Absolutely. you gotta. So it's like I'll see something and 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 I'll still do that storytelling audience experience of I saw it, I digest it for mm-hmm. a week or whatever it is, mm-hmm. or even a day, and then you see another one. And you go, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's where this is going, which I always loved as a as a writer. To be able to, you know, build those hills yeah. and valleys in a season by, you know, uh, we're pulling you in here and we're pulling you in there, and then and and 
I'm really curious the, how people will react and how I will react because I'm going to try it. I'm going to try when it actually drops. <laughs> I mean, I've got them all. I can watch them now, but I'm going to grab some relatives and say, let's watch this awesome. as if the uh, you know someone who just sat and watched yeah. all ten. Um, in a row, I think it's going to work really well, but uh, but I don't know. I'm really curious. That's a lot need... of time, also, with your family for ten hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been very uh, selective so and who invited. invite to this yeah. adventure. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like the dogs are going to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they won't say much. The four-month-old baby. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Do you um, need to watch season one to hop into season two? No, you don't. Great. Yeah, you really don't, and <laughs> Good. and cool. and uh, uh, and that was something that we were very conscious of, trying to make sure. Um, which which I learned a long time because on X Files, it was the mythology and everything was so complicated. Yeah. At a certain point, that was like we had to make sure that somebody can pick up the show. Yeah. You know, and not feel like they're missing something. And so, no, it's very much so. I think. Oh, that's great. great. Well, we'll definitely check it out. Um, so that is, as December. people are hearing this, that is available right now. Uh, December 6th. Next. Yeah. Uh, oh, as people are hearing this, I understand <laughs> yes. this, this process. This um, blog. I guess. It's easy. You've got Bill Nye coming yeah, out uh, this week. Yes, this um, week. Please what else? Kimmel is going on. It. Are you still on that yeah, show? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So enjoy that. Um, <laughs> I've heard of that show. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just uh, and yeah, that's it. Oh, and I wanted to name check my friend Santa Totten, who also writes on uh, Bill Nye. He's awesome, sure. and he does a great podcast called Brains On. Which, if you have kids, it's a great science podcast uh, oh, nice. to listen to for your kids. And he's a he's a genius. Good. Well, we're gonna come back around for some other oh, things yeah. that you are watching and listening to. Uh, and the post is yeah. also out. The like, post is out week, right? uh, in New York and L.A. And then it goes wide. <laughs> I had my calendar because I was like, there are multiple. It goes wider January fifth, and then it is wide international. January 12th. Awesome. So, so people can, can check it out in New York and L.A. Please, right now. And then yeah, yeah, exactly. Elsewhere coming up. Yes. Uh, and do, because I have it on good authority. This is a very good movie. I paid him money to say that, so. <laughs> no, it's... Money is of the best authority. Please do. I mean, at the very least, um, Steven Spielberg knows how to make a pretty good movie. So um, go check it out. I'm sure he learned a lot from you, too. Oh, I taught him everything. <laughs> uh, what are you watching on television these days? What movies have you seen that you love? Is there anything you want to recommend to people? Uh, this is also our last podcast of the year. So what oh, have wow. you seen all year that you have loved and want to talk about? Um, Get Out is the best movie I saw all year. And I'm Absolutely. sure like everyone and their mother has seen it. I only saw it like three weeks ago for the first time. And I just think it's like the most amazing social commentary um, all wrapped into a movie that's extremely enjoyable. So I would say that, The Crown, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, which the second season is out now. Yeah. And Mindhunter. Mindhunter was so good, right? Mindhunter, yeah. It snuck up on me. Yeah, it's, uh, I was really into it. Yeah. I sort of like couldn't stop devouring it. Absolutely. Actually, it was like, it was interesting when you were talking about um, the binging because that actually felt like a show that I really wanted to binge Mm -hmm. because Mm. it was so intentionally slowly paced that I like felt like I could take my time and move from episode Mm -hmm. to, like, I mean, not take my time to move up from episode to episode that I wanted to sort of consume it as quickly as yeah. possible. So, so that's what I would say. Yeah, yeah. That's a great recommendation. John, what are you watching these days? What What have you seen? What do you want to recommend? Well, this is my time of the year when I catch up because I've yeah. been in production uh, all summer and then post. So uh, I am just I, I just caught up on two things that I really enjoyed, which was Big Little Lies on uh, mm-hmm. HBO and, oh, uh, yeah. and Handmaid's Tale, which mm. I thought was 
pretty amazing. These are good answers. Yeah, that was yeah. still this year, right? There yeah. was so much good there stuff this year. Yeah. 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 yeah, That's alarming. Um, great, great recommendation. Cece, what else? Oh, uh, we just finished watching Les Revenants, which I may be late on, but mm. it was pretty great. really great. Yeah. yeah, I really liked it. Um, and uh, I love The Crown. You're, I mean, everything you guys said was great. Um, we just saw Coco last night. It's How so is Coco? Delightful. Yeah. <laughs> delightful. I can't I wait to see it. I cried like a baby <laughs> and laughed and sang. Um, it, was, <laughs> it was great. I also read my favorite book, and, and I don't that? know when it was published, but it's called 3 a.m. at the Cat's Pajamas, and I'm a jerk because I can't remember the name of the author, but um, it was like one of the best books I've read in a really long time. Oh, can I shout out a book, too? Sorry, because I just... Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, Tana Coates' new book. I think it's called Eight Years oh, in Power. It's supposed yeah. to be great. Essays. Um, essays. Yeah, it's essays. It's it's amazing. And yeah. if you haven't read his first book, it's incredible. Um, but, yeah, um, he just has a way with words that I think is, like, really remarkable. And if you are, like, I think everybody at this table who's just been sad all year, it's, yeah. it's a nice... <laughs> well, that's, nice this story. has sort of been the conversation that I've been having all year, yeah. right? Is everybody sits down at this table and we get behind our microphones and we say, how are you doing? And we're like... Uh, all things okay. considered, <laughs> I'm okay. I'm going to talk about the thing I know how to talk about. Yeah. Um, have you guys had coping strategies <laughs> over the course of the year? <laughs> like, I've said this before on the podcast, but the MSNBC logo is just branded into my TV mm. at this point because yeah. yes. I wake up and that's what I do for an hour. Mm. And it beats writing, but, you know, it's also <laughs> sort of soul-crushing. Right. <laughs> uh, what have you guys done to either engage or not engage over the course <laughs> of the year? I had to settle with just reading the news. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't wa- I couldn't watch or listen to the news um, for a while. It was like nails on a chalkboard. So I've now like my morning starts with reading like Politico and Axiom and the New York Times and the Washington Post for like an hour, and then. And I- how do you crawl out of that? Slowly with coffee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, I think the thing that's helped is writing, and mm-hmm. and and and. The thing that I've experienced this year, um, had a lot of amazing general meetings, and every single one was like, we need to tell stories mm-hmm. that aren't being heard now. Um, and there has felt like there's been this push of um, telling stories about women, telling stories about sort of different parts of the world that maybe don't get paid attention to that much. And so it has been really sort of inspiring to be able to... to throw yourself into this stuff that maybe is what we should be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, that's a way to do it. But yeah, also just like, you know, throwing the newspaper in the trash helps sometimes. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, and I agree, though. It is it is inspiring to be in what can often be a very cynical business, mm-hmm. to go into meetings and hear, we want to tell stories that we haven't been telling. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, I just I actually just set up a show at Amazon, Unlimited, um, that is called The Mercury 13, which is about the first um, women who went through the space program. That's awesome. And oh, they, cool. who, who actually was privately funded because NASA wouldn't pay for it, and then they passed, and then they were not allowed to go into space. Oh, um, wow. And, yeah. And, um, and so, but almost all of them, I think, I think almost all of them uh, were at Sally Ride's launch. So mm-hmm. it's sort of oh, bookended really cool. in like a nice way. But there was like, it was like this real push of like, yeah, let's make this, let's make this right now. You know, I think people feel really like we need to tell these stories. And there's also, there is, I think, a good way of telling these stories as history because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm not standing on a soapbox for anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, pushing an agenda. I'm just saying this was history. This is what right. happened. You know, take a look, take whatever you feel, you know, whatever responses you have to it out into the world. Yeah, yeah. 
I took up meditation. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. With an, I use an app um, yeah. called I've, Headspace. I was I've just going to say, that. is it Headspace? It's Headspace. People nice. love this. Yeah, yeah, and it's very short, and so it doesn't require a lot. But I try to do that before I look at my phone in the morning. So nice. I do that, like... And, and, like, try to take deep breaths before mm-hmm. I jump into Trump land. And then I think as a, as a comedy person, as much as we all feel like we need to make fun of all of the horrible shit that's going on, sometimes you just can't. And yeah. so then maybe it's kind of therapeutic to just write some joke jokes and yuck yucks for, yeah, like, that totally. are just, like, dumb crap. Like, maybe we just need to, like, laugh at dumb crap instead yeah. of laughing at the horror and it feels like you are getting that opportunity on the Kimmel show especially yeah, where yeah. like he does he gets dumb serious, jokes but, but he's also very also, engaged yeah I think he's he, he wants to make people laugh yeah. and, uh, first and foremost as That's a comedian great. so yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah I just try to smile and grow a tumor <laughs> <laughs> just internalize it all <laughs> So, yeah. good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Basically, no, I mean, you're a real cowboy. You're <laughs> just pushing it all down. Just pushing it all down. No, I mean it was very, it was, it was difficult with, with you know, especially in a creative environment where you're trying to have writers and actors and directors and people bring their best work, and everybody's you know coming from a funeral. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I did have to, just as a showrun, just as part of the, the, you know, to sort of. Be the the non anxious one and let people have their moments and and yeah. and then uh, we got to get down to this because we got to you know do our best work yeah. and then afterwards we can all get drunk and <laughs> commiserate. <laughs> commiserate. Yeah. Do you feel the need uh, you know working on sort of these bigger shows? Is there the desire or the need or even the impetus to say something bigger? Uh, thematically, yeah. Um. Yes, but in not uh, actually always. I mean, I always try to mm-hmm. find. Even on X Files, we would try to find. We would we would come in with, yeah. and Chris would often come in with something we read in the news that people it's on. People mm-hmm. are talking about how you know at the time it was like, oh my god, the government can can pick up your phones off the interweb or yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Whatever it was back whatever then. Whatever it was back then. You know, <laughs> oh my god, my dial up is is compromised. <laughs> Um, okay, we're going to be back to dial up pretty soon. <laughs> That's like, right. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, looking at the stuff that you you've worked on with Star Trek and Hell on Wheels and and uh, the X Files stuff and even Shut Eye, like it seems like you had that outlet and were able to talk Absolutely. about bigger thematic things. And 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 uh, to your point, the even Hell on Wheels was actually enjoyable because you could tuck your politics mm-hmm. much deeper yeah. into it because. A, the world doesn't change, and there were as many people exploiting everybody mm-hmm. then as are exploiting <laughs> yeah. everybody now. And so but you put them right in black hats then. Uh, it, yeah. <laughs> it helps, yeah. Um, uh, but the same with, with uh, for me, always the best, you know, to use the current terminology, genre work that, that I've done, it, it's, it's um, I, uh, the, the, the best stuff that I like deals with issues that. Uh, uh, that hit home, that mm-hmm. that, uh, and not, not even obviously hit home, and those are probably the better ones. But it's like 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 Children of Men was probably one of the best movies mm-hmm. of the past decade, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, because mm-hmm. it, it touched on so many things about mm-hmm. yeah. yeah the world, society, politics, personal relationships, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, that's so I'm always looking for that stuff, and I'll even say in the writers' room sometimes uh, this is great, but. 
Hmm. What is it about, guys? And, and, yeah. and, and I don't think that's a waste of time, even though the clock is always ticking, yeah. because it'll be better for it. Yeah. You know, storytelling will be better for it. And it's always, I think it's, it's great advice to new writers, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, figure out what, what you have to say. You know, yeah. what are you saying that other people can't necessarily say? What perspective are you bringing to it that other people can? That's a reason for your script to exist. Um, thank you guys so much for being here. I thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Hope to talk to you all again soon. Absolutely. Awesome. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 